Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 174 of Slam Fire Radio for September 30th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shot McClatchy. Hey, I'm Kelly, the classy one, Lynn. And I'm Adriel, the hunting gear guy, Michelle. And Trevor is on assignment, and by on assignment, we mean he's slacking off. Yep. Basically, he said he doesn't like the listeners. He doesn't respect them. We do this joke every time. Is it, is it old yet? Yep. It is. Nope. So one yes, one no. Well, we got to go with status quo then. So no, it's not. We'll carry on. <laughs> so, Trevor, what did you do in guns this week? All right, everybody, just skip forward half an hour, and we'll jump into Adriel. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. So in order, I ordered and received a double alpha pro belt. So I've got I've got a black scorpion belt, and it's all right. But uh, when you guys were down here for that course, uh, Trevor brought his double alpha belt, and it is, like, way stiffer. It's way stiffer, which will hold all the stuff on it better. So uh, I, I saw that, and I was a little bit jealous. And uh, so I ordered one from MD Gardner, and uh, so did one of my other buddies. So we both got them, and uh, I don't know, they're belt. They're they're nice. <laughs> well, uh, it's nice whenever your belt is stiff enough to carry all your gear and not sag and stuff. I mean, it's I I didn't realize how important a belt really is until I started carrying a gun on the range, and it's like, oh, would you look at that? A stiff, rugged, 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 rigid, rugged, rugged, rigid, rigid. It's half rigid, half rugged. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me while I have some more ginger beer, because that's all rugged. it takes apparently. Rugged. <laughs> <laughs> it's r- r- <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not editing any of that out. I don't care. Um, yeah, no, a, a good belt actually makes a big difference, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you got a good belt. Well, I mean that I, I am too because I got it and then I immediately used it on uh, Saturday and Sunday for a uh, black badge course. Uh, nice. So I went. Yeah, I went and did my black badge with a couple of buddies of mine. How'd that uh, go in, in Bonnie in Bonnieville? Oh, Excellent. Yeah. Um, it's different than how you guys described it because uh, uh, whereas you guys, it, it, what it sounds like to me is that the courses in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, you guys focus on uh, the qualification for EPSIC and then immediately, like try to jam in like a, a um, oh, what do you call it, level two match, a sanctioned match on the Sunday so that people are fully qualified, they've shot their first match and... Uh, you know, they've been the, through the whole thing. Whereas in Alberta, and it sounds like maybe Ontario and some of the other provinces, some of the other provinces, uh, run a more pistol fundamentals course that also has IPSC in it. Uh, you run a lot more rounds. Uh, you do um, many more than the required positions and uh, qualifiers that you would need to do for IPSC and uh, end up like spending a lot of time on the range and doing a lot of shooting. So. Um, you know, I was expecting like, ah, maybe like 200 rounds or something like that. Me and my, me and a buddy of mine reload, we brought like a, uh, 
one of those Costco pails of de- normally of detergent. The, mm-hmm. That thing, like half full of, of uh, nine millimeter bullets. So lots and lots of ammo, and we we ran through all of it. And so um, we figure right around six hundred and fifty to seven hundred seven hundred rounds each. Wow, that is a and lot of shooting. It is a lot of shooting, and it was a lot of time on the range. The first day we went from eight till oh boy. Uh, like seven or eight or something like that. It was That's silly. Crazy. Did did you find that a lot of people actually needed that extensive training to get them up to snuff? Uh, it depends on what you consider up to snuff. So if you consider like just passing the qualification, absolutely not. Uh, you do not need that level of training to just pass the qualification. But um, to get like really like to get mu- like mildly proficient with your handgun to be considered like a beginner i th- i kind of think so because you know there's uh, uh there's only so much you can get from uh really quickly going through the drills and then doing them one by one and if you're qualified then it's up to the next person that kind of thing I, w- I wish trevor was was on cuz i know he'd disagree with me because he's of the the, the opinion that uh, you know, it's it, like the black badge is to get qualified for IPSC shooting, and and that's the that's well, the that, end goal. But th- that is my opinion as well. I mean, bl- the black mm-hmm. badge course is not supposed; it wasn't designed to be a handgun fundamentals course. It wasn't designed to shoot you to to design. Huh, boy, I gonna have some more ginger beer. Hold on. <laughs> it it wasn't designed uh, with teaching you how to shoot a handgun in mind. It was designed to teach you how to compete in the sport of IPSC. And so when, when we hold a, a black badge course, we fully expect the students to show up already proficient with a handgun. We want them to already know how to use it, how to run it. We don't want people showing up who've never fired one before or only have a couple hundred rounds through one because you shouldn't be playing IPSC if you're, if you're that new to handguns. You, should, you shouldn't be playing IPSC until, until you're somewhat proficient. I mean, this isn't just standing around you know, in a square range, shooting straight down range, you know, bullseye shooting. This is action, action running and gunning. You're running around with a loaded handgun, uh, shooting at things. And so we, we don't want newbies out there. Now, be careful how you take that. We want new Ipsic shooters out there. We do want new people to, to join the sport. We just want to make sure that when they show up, they're safe and they're proficient and while I don't have a problem with the black badge course also integrating the fundamentals, I think it's important that they make that known that they're going to be providing other fundamentals. And I don't think that you, you know, for instance, you, Adriel, you probably didn't need all of that additional training that they that they provided for you. Was it helpful? I'm sure it probably was, but you probably didn't need it to be a good shooter in Ipsic, all you needed to do was pass the qualifiers and you should have been on your way. I don't think you, you should have been forced to pay the fee that you did and, and shoot the amount of ammo that you were forced to shoot to get your black badge course. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the contrarian. I liked it. Um, if, if, the, if the difference is, uh, you know, I spent 120 bucks and I do my, uh, I do my Ipsic qualifi- qualifying, like little qualifier tests and that kind of thing, and I shoot a, a level two, uh, versus 300 bucks to uh, spend a lot more time. Keep in mind, like when when I say like uh, pistol fundamentals, like, yeah, we worked on grip and draw and all that kind of stuff, and and that's all stuff I'm familiar with. But we also did uh, quite a bit of shooting um, uh, more drills that would be in IPSC, going going uh, forward, going back, side to side, and uh, a lot more permutations of those. 
so like personally, when I look at the at the money I spent on it, I'm I'm totally fine with it. It's a two day course, lots of shooting in there. Uh, Three hundred bucks is is likely on the on the low side of of where that would be if uh, if it was like a non Ipsic uh, uh, qualified kind of a thing. Right. So I'm I'm fine with the amount of money. So you definitely feel like you got your money's worth then. Oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. And that's my, my great. Sh- I, I have no issue with that. But like I said, I still think it because my guess is they won't they, for, say say I was uh, I was coming out and say I, I wanted to take my black badge course. They probably wouldn't allow me to just go shoot the qualifiers to prove that, you know, I was I was black badge qualified. They would probably force me to do the whole thing. And, I and just for, don't for a think pro shooter, it would be it would be a waste of time and, and a right. waste of money. So I'm for just a pro shooter, right? And I guess the reality probably is people who are getting into Ipsic probably aren't pro shooters already. I think a lot of people end up becoming pro shooters because they've been shooting Ipsic. So you know, maybe that course is just fine. And and you know, there's you know, I, I don't have an issue with that. I guess I just. I'm just of the opinion that the black badge isn't. It wasn't designed to be a fundamentals course. It was designed to to go. Hey, are you safe enough to shoot Ipsic? Yar. Okay. Cool. Go shoot Ipsic. It, it. But you know, whatever. They're 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 taking it and they're they're putting a different spin on it and and giving you some additional training. And as long as people feel like they're getting their money's worth, then I got no issue with that. As long as they end up qualified at the end of the day. Yeah. Now it would be it would be I I would say ideal to have them all. Uh, consistent across the country because you wouldn't want to have one and one and one and the other. Now, um, the other reason why I was, I was saying that it's, it's okay. Okay. 300 bucks for a, uh, for a two day course, uh, where you're, where you're shooting handguns and you just so happen to get a black badge at the end of it. Um, there are, there aren't a lot of pistol courses out here in Alberta and, and this is Alberta. We've, like our population isn't that bad, but it's not really dense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's not really a lot of courses you can take just for shooting pistols. And uh, the, the, there's, uh, yeah, just not a lot that you can see around. I mean, one of the one of the competitors, um, and, I, and I mentioned to this to you guys over uh, over Voxer there. Uh, one of the competitors that competitors, one of the participants <laughs> to this course, <laughs> um, he was told by the Alberta CFO that he needed to get uh, his black badge qualification as part of getting his ATC. Now he's getting his ATC because he's getting a, a wilderness carry ATC. He's mm-hmm. got a trap line and he wanted to, uh, bring his handgun out there for, for self-defense kind of a thing. Uh, and they told him, go take your black badge. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, there's no, there's, there's no recognized pistol training in the country, except so that's for what black badge. Yeah, so that's what they've defaulted to and said, okay, fine, get your black badge. And and in this case, that turns out to be quite good because it turns out that that kind of black badge course is probably going to give him the skills that he needs to use his gun for self-defense out in the woods. But you did touch on an important point that I just want to touch back on it for a quick second is it's it should be consistent across the country. Mm-hmm. It really should be. Ipsic is a you know it's an international sport, and yes, Canada is the only country that has the black badge course, but it is you know, you know it, it, it's not like it's a federal law, and so we expect it to be enforced you know, at least we would we would like it to be you know our federal law to be enforced the same between provinces, but it, it this is a this is an Ipsic Canada mandated course, and you would think that between the provinces it should be. It should be ideally identical, and if not identical, at least very close. Well, uh, you know, if 
if you were just to like throw the whole thing out and start over from scratch again, likely what there's room for is um, challenging the test. Right. You should be able to you should be able to take a course that gets you like really up on pistol shooting and uh, is focused around dip six so that you're you're going to be like not a rank beginner but like a beginner when you first go to your first IPSC uh, course. But uh, and then they should have one that's just that just lets you challenge the exam, like uh, as it were. So that yeah, go shoot the qualifiers and write and write the exam. Yeah, so you write, you write the exam, you you shoot the qualifiers, you pass everything, you're good to go. But we have mentioned before too. The issue with that is, and because like I said, we've mentioned before, is the test isn't really designed to test your knowledge. It's more designed to force you to read the rule book. Mm-hmm. So. You know, just passing that test doesn't give the student the opportunity to have that discussion in class and to get that the finer points of some of those rules. But I mean, that being said, it could be re-engineered to to you know have them understand things a little bit better, and then they would certainly learn quick enough on their first match. <laughs> well, you can like we're 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 sending people out to do six hours of classroom time with a teacher when you could do a, a six hour YouTube video, force them to watch it as part of like, I don't know, there's plenty of, of online classroom software yeah. that lets you do this. Yep. Why do you, why do you have to go and, and say the same dang thing six times, like for six hours to every single class when you could be like the, I always, I, I see the value in the instructors is, um, is in body movements, the practical, is in yeah. draws. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff is, oh, my, my, like, give me all that stuff. That's yeah. what I want to pay for. Absolutely. I don't want to pay for the uh, theory. Uh, discussing the theory and the paperwork. And, and the, you're right. Yeah. The, the theory can be taught through a video. It, it, not as effectively, I would argue, because that classroom discussion dynamic does really add, you know, mm-hmm. so, to the learning experience. But, yeah, I see where you're coming from. But, like, why... Why spend you know one or two instructors' time for six hours for like six students like right. ad infinitum for all? Anyways, I yeah. mean that would give you that would give you a solution where you've got you've got your tools to uh, um, get people certified if they need to get certified and they right. consider themselves a pro shooter. I'd argue that most of the people who are who are just getting into it like aren't ready to just go ahead and and do a qualifier. They need the uh, they need some level of training to uh, exactly. To get through. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, and that's been my experience too. There, there have been very few students that I've taught the black badge course to that where I would, I just kind of went, oh, well, this guy knows what he's doing. I don't really have to worry about him. He's going to pass everything just fine. And most people who show up, you know, th- maybe it's not their first time with their handgun, but it certainly isn't. Uh, you know, th- it's not their best friend yet, so to speak. You know, they they still are a little unfamiliar with it. Yeah. Well, take me and my buddies. Like we all shoot three gun. We've been shooting three gun for two years, so we've, we're familiar with the pistol. But there's a couple of things that are, are gotchas in IPSC that you need to know about: um, reloading on the move, reloading going back down range, reloading going up range. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of places where you'll pass ninety, uh, or you'll sweep yourself, or you know whatever the case might be. So, um, you know, like. We didn't need we didn't need as much practice on like remedial drills, uh, remedial actions for jams and that kind of thing, but uh, but the rest of this stuff was all was all really good. Yep. Well, that's good. I mean, like I said, I'm glad that you felt like you got your money's worth. I'm glad that you had a good time and that you learned lots of stuff. Um, yeah. So that's that's all great. My, I I guess my only gripe is I I just wish we had a bit more consistency. And you know the 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 range that we were doing the, this black badge at hasn't had an ipsic match yet 
There, oh, really? So there's yeah, there's a there's a. So they're spot putting on the black. There. So they're putting on the black badge course, but they haven't even shot matches there yet. Correct. Huh. So you know, the possibility of doing a sanctioned level two match would be like uh, almost too early, I, I guess you could say for this for this uh, one. So they're what they're trying to do is get lots of local shooters qualified, so that early next year they can start doing matches and have locals going out to it and uh, and have that demand for it, right? Yeah. I think yeah. you know. I think Bonneville is uh, is really close to Edmonton. Anyways, I think their their matches would fill up because it's a two hour drive. It's not that far. They've got a really nice range there too. You, you shot at that range. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. They've got like a, a whole bunch of bays, lots of different spots for pistol shooting, lots of uh, lots of interesting things. So, yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, I guess that's that's what I did. <laughs> that's what I did on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Sunday we didn't do like a level two match. We did like a, a stage. Uh, what was it like 30, 32 rounds, something like that? Thirty-two round stage. Um, yeah, just a just a small little pistol stage. Um, again, like for me, like I I I already do stages for three guns, so I'm I'm used to those. Um, I got the fastest time. Awesome. Well, that's always good. <laughs> Not the fastest time. The best. What is it? Magic number. You come a hit factor hit that you factor. come out with Ipsic. Yeah. Oh my. The scoring is so complicated. It, I'm used to like. Time plus with three gun, it's like oh you gotta miss. Okay, add five seconds on top yeah. of the score. With Ipsic, it's like time time to bring out the calculator or even the tablet. So it's like oh there's an alpha there and there's a Charlie there because that's this many points and oh man. Just... Yep, it is definitely more complicated <laughs> than you know even IDPA. Like it, it is a it's yeah. a complicated scoring system. That's for sure. It's a it's a cooler. I think it's a cooler scoring system because it ends up giving like an effectiveness rating instead of whatever else the other thing is right so it's uh yeah it's a little bit more i don't know it feel it, it feels like it was well thought through it's just complicated compared to some of the other ones out there so uh, yeah did, did you get your black badge well i've got a black badge like card and it says qualifier number location that's yet to be filled out because i think that's the uh that's the match that i have to take i have to take a match uh, now you have to take a match now yeah and so you've done the course thing there's yeah. no there's no matches. It's it, I guess people are wimps and this is too cold for them. So there's no, there's no what? more matches for this year. What's what's the temperature at, like out there this time of year? It's like 14. It's beautiful. That's We're gonna be nothing. shooting three gun into November. Oh come on! Yeah, they gotta but, put a match on. So how long do you have to take your match before you would have to take your black badge again? Oh, a year. So oh, I'll just okay. take it. I'll just take it in the uh, in the springtime kind of a thing. So cool. Okay. That's that. Yeah, I'm, so I'm I'm hoping to to get a lot more pistol practice, and uh, I hope to get that through some IPSC competitions. Cool. Uh, what else? Uh, I got a G code. I don't even know what you call it. It's so it's a I've, belt I've a thingy. Holster. Yeah, belt thingy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got the holster with the STI hanger. It's got the, like the key mod kind of hanger steel thing on it. Isn't that RTI? I, RTI. There we yeah. go. You're the rep. You should know. This. I, you should know this stuff. I don't. You should. Um, what's the belt thingy called? <laughs> it, it's belt thingy. You nailed it. Belt thingy. Belt yeah. thingy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I know one of those. Hanger maybe uh, belt hanger. I don't know. I yeah yeah that. offset belt hanger thingamabobber. Anyways, I got yeah. one of those. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, now you can use your holster. Now I can use my holster. Although the it's it's dropped low enough that the heel of the uh of the handgun may droop down below the belt, so I might have to modify it to get it to go a little bit higher so, so it's you, nipsic legal yeah exactly yeah you want to make sure that that stays legal if you want to use that nipsic 
Yeah. But it's really comfortable, and I really like, like, it, A, it covers the barrel, because <laughs> the other one I was using was a chopped mm-hmm. uh, FNS uh, regular length uh, holster. Yep. And uh, it just, it's it's really nice quality. I don't know if it's a G-code one, though. I think it might be uh, 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 solely Canadian. I think it might be one of their holsters that just uses the RTI hanger on it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got that, and I got a, an MKA-1919 match semi-automatic shotgun from Tactical Imports. That's just a lender kind of a thing. Uh, so they asked me if I would review that, so I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try it at 3-gun. That should be That's, fun. Uh, You'll turn a lot of heads with that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you're not supposed think to anyone shoot else your, runs one. You're not supposed to shoot your AR in this stage. It's a shotgun stage. Uh, <laughs> this is my shotgun. What? <laughs> <laughs> I I really like it. It's uh, it's got a couple of features on it that are killer. So it's got well skeletonized magwell. Who cares? It, it looks cool, but uh, it doesn't really add too much to the functionality. It's this thing's built for matches. So it's got a left-handed non-reciprocating charging handle. So if you'd like to do the mag drop thing and keep your right hand on the gun while your left goes for the magazine and then strokes the uh, charging handle, or if you just like prefer using your your left hand for charging, it's it's there. Uh, the, the right hand handle, like on the like directly on the bolt, is is reciprocating, and uh, it's there as an option if you want that. The magazine release is like an extended biggie sized one, so it's easier to hit. The bolt release, same thing, nice and big and extended. Uh, ambi safety. Well, what else is on here? Aluminum uh, upper and lower. Aluminum forend. How much does it weigh? Uh, I don't know. It's not that heavy. It's, yeah, it's a lot like my BR-99. When uh, they were at the Toronto Gun Show, I went and had a look at it, and it's almost mm-hmm. exactly the same. You got the uh, the aluminum... Does it have the aluminum grips on it, or does it have the plastic? Plastic grips on it. Yeah. It's like an AR style. I'd imagine this This looks like it would just take an AR uh, grip. Um, chokes, which is really good for uh, three-gun, or required for three-gun, because if you... If you have like a far target, you're gonna to need to run something tighter. And if you got something close, you'd prefer like a, an improved cylinder. And if you have just cylinder on three gun, you get your butt kicked because you can't knock down steel with your uh, with your target loads. Yep. Uh, it's got a telescoping buttstock and mash hook uh, uh, interface on the uh, on the rear of the receiver, so you can run a single point sling and like a ten pound trigger. <laughs> Really heavy trigger. Uh, Kelly, is, is your BR-99, does it have, like, a really heavy trigger on it? Yep, it does. Yeah, but yep. uh, I think for, for a shotgun, that's fine. If this was a rifle, I'd, I'd be throwing it in the garbage. But Well, that's the thing. Shot, yeah, I've never yeah. minded a heavy trigger on a shotgun. Uh, it just has never bothered me. I mean, a light trigger is obviously nice, but it it's not that nearly as important as a light trigger on a rifle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mags drop free, which is nice, so... The, mm-hmm. as you push that button, they drop right out. They're still they're a little bit heavy. So, and do they take Beowulf mags? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> uh, no, they take these steel five round mags. Uh, now, if I if I shoot this in my three gun, I'm gonna have to source some more because we we run like high round count uh, stages at my three gun club, and I don't want to run out of ammo like I did last time. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah. Again, yeah. but I mean, if if you're if you're new into three gun and you're looking at at uh, competing in three gun and you like your AR and you're trained with the AR, your AR and you don't want to learn the new skill of running uh, uh, shot shell carriers in your shotgun, this is a better system to go with. 
and it's, you know, bags. Yeah. Easy to feed, right? And so. they just slide straight in, right? They're not a rock and lock or anything. Yeah, straight in. Nice. Straight in. Yeah, straight in and drop free, and all the controls are the same as your AR. So, um, I think for pouches, I think it might fit like an AK-47 pouch. or Whoa, like a AK-47? AR yep. With the banana clip? <laughs> yes. Basically yep. cut a man in half. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's all I did in guns this week. Uh, Kelly, what about you? I didn't go to and shoot anything this week. It was really, no. I went to SFRC, and uh, Dave Moralt, who is the gunsmith there. Remember last week we were talking about revolvers and the fact that there isn't anybody really in Canada to work on them? Mm-hmm. I was talking to him, and I said, hey, Dave, do you do uh, revolvers? And he says, well, yes, I do. He's working on one right then and there, so... Uh, <laughs> So if you want your revolver and you have is- or sorry if you have uh, issues with your revolvers, go and talk to Dave. I have issues uh, with SM. revolvers. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Not those types of issues. <laughs> <laughs> if you want one fixed, anyways. Uh, yeah, no, we uh, brought the ACR in. Remember, we were having problems with the ACR. Not we. Kevin was having problems with the ACR uh, barrel. Mm-hmm. So Dave was giving him uh, some suggestions on that as well. We think it's probably the fact that uh, his barrels. Uh, he tightens it, and then it's coming loose again, and then he'll tighten it, and he'll get good groupings. So, oh, yeah, if it comes loose, you're, if your barrel's loose, you're not going to get good groups. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. We figured yep. it out. So, well, anyways, that's good. So, At least it's a simple fix. Yeah, get it some, is. Get some Loctite on there or something. Yep. And the other, so, as I said, uh, I didn't do any shooting. Usually on Sunday we go and do shooting, but there was the AGM for Frontenac going on, uh, so the uh, general membership meeting was at Frontenac, and because of the fact that I'm a, an associate member, I'm not a full member until I actually go and do my new members thing, I couldn't go. So it was quite Aww. sad. I meant I cl- cleaned the house on Sunday, so, eh. Um, but... <laughs> well, I guess that's we, important, too. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, so the other thing that I've been doing with the Canadian Coalitions for Firearms Rights is we're putting together a Gunny Girl calendar for 2017, uh, so if any of you guys that are listening, not guys, gals that are listening, uh, want to be part of the calendar, check out uh, the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights on Facebook. There is a form that you can fill out and you can submit some pictures and all that. And you can be part of the calendar. What about well, it's what not very I, inclusive. Yeah, what yeah. about us? What about what us? If, <laughs> what about you? You could submit I'm pictures. good-looking, too. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can be, how about, uh, you know, in July, and we can see you in a bikini. And I'll be like December. I'll be like December with all the clothes on. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. that's probably the Two safest way for me. Yep. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, we're looking for submissions. So, if guys, if you know of a girl that might you might like to see in it as well, tell them to go on over and submit. <laughs> I'm yeah. do How do you bring that up at dinner, <laughs> honey? Honey, oh, at, the, at the range. Hey, uh, hey. pretty good. <laughs> hey, could you put that gun down for a sec? Yeah, I have something Actually. to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can take the picture first with the gun, and then say, "Hey, I have something to ask you." Right. Do you, do you mind if, anyways? Yeah. yeah. I see this yeah. going poorly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's for the guys. Sorry? You still, <laughs> I still want one for the... Well, I'd still demand equal rights, so I'm going to send a picture in. Okay. I think you should. You should. <laughs> yep. Anyways, that's what I've been doing. 
Cool. Yeah, what about you, Matthew? I did nothing. Gun-related, yeah. that is. I did a lot of things. I went flying, I cut wood, I split wood, I stacked wood. You know, I did, like, the, 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 the ant, not the grasshopper. Getting ready, ready for, winter. for winter. Getting ready for winter. Yeah, but no, I haven't done any gun-related stuff. The next gun-related thing I will do, likely, is go and get my hunting license because small game, well, and deer, opens up uh, the day after tomorrow, I think, October 1st. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I'll get to start carrying my shotgun around in my truck and go out and try to get me some patridge. By patridge, of course, I mean gross because we don't have any partridge around here. <laughs> just gross. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that's uh, that's what I will be doing. So uh, that's that's basically it. I guess that uh, brings us into the upcoming events, which okay. is uh, the first one is Brian S is putting on the Valkyrie Defense Counter Ambush Concepts course in Battle Creek, Michigan, on October 9th. The Ferlacci Handgun courses, July 15th and 16th in Alberta. Um, basic handgun only has three spots left now, and critical handgun is still full with one person on a waiting list. So if you're interested in basic handgun, contact us, and uh, critical handgun, you can get on the list. If anybody cancels, you would be you would be put on. Um, the CAPS course with Dave Young, the use of force two-day class, has been canceled. Due to boo. <laughs> so yeah, due to lack of interest, so... Maybe it was short notice, maybe just the wrong time of year, don't know. We're going to try again next year and uh, see if we can get him to come out and put that course on because I really want to take that course, and I'm sure there are lots of guys around who uh, could make good use of that as well. So, uh, Ren Ran, Rag, Ragnarok, I think I have a problem Ragnarok. with that every week. Yeah. Yep, Ragnarok Tactical, putting on a carbine operator course at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club. So if you want to be an operator, you can... Uh, go take that course. That is going to be October 15th. Uh, the Woodstock, and this is Woodstock, New Brunswick, not Woodstock, Ontario. There is a fundraiser draw, and the draw will be taking place October 15th, so that's coming right up. Uh, well, I guess two weeks. Tickets are 10 bucks a piece. You can contact the club at WPRC2005 at gmail.com, and uh, maybe we can put that in the show notes, but uh, they raffle. They do a raffle every year. Uh, to raise money for the club, and they got some pretty sweet prizes. I mean, there's a helicopter ride uh, for a prize this year, and I am looking forward to winning that. So, I know the pilot. I won't say his name because he likes to stay a little incognito, but I know the pilot, and I'm looking at you, buddy. You just make sure you pull my name out of that hat, huh? Um, And from Kevin, the 17th annual Hunter's Sight-In and Swap Meet. You can bring surplus gear to trade or barter. It's at the Frontenac Rifle and Pistol Club in Kingston, Ontario, and you can get more information at uh, frpc.ca. I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, in, in the show notes, because I'm not going to read the rest of that, because that's long. <laughs> no one wants to type it in anyways. No, no, they just want to go click. So go to the website, and our website is um, slamfireradio.com. <laughs> <laughs> took me a second to remember what it was. <laughs> where am I? Where, where am I? I have to type that one in. Where oh, do I? There's, there's just no escaping this. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I guess that brings us to the news next. And uh, um, so whoever put in the news articles, go ahead and, uh, and take them away. Well, the first one's pretty easy. The CCFR has a new website. Wow, thank you, Adriel. And uh, next. No, I'm just <laughs> Is that basically it on that one, though? Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I haven't even seen it. I should go there. The, the, yes, you should. 
Yeah. It, what is it? Is it CCR? C, or? No, it's firearmsrights.ca. Oh. Well, I wouldn't have found that. Uh, wait a minute. Nope. <laughs> so it's no, it's not. Uh, no, it's not, no, it's not that. Rights. Oh, there we go. Don't go yeah. to firearmsrights. Leave the S CA. out. Firearmsrights.ca. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like, I, I checked this before the show. I was on it. <laughs> Good job, Adriel. Oh, it does look nice. <laughs> I like it. That's a good website. You guys should go check it out. Mm-hmm. Got like a little slider on the top there and some yeah. uh, banner images and looks good on a phone too. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, the next one here. I've got it uh, pulled up here. St. John police officer injured in firing range accident. <laughs> the officer was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. An officer with the uh, St. John Police Force is in a hospital after an accident Monday morning at a New Brunswick firing range. According to WorkSafe New Brunswick, the officer's injury was the result of an accidental discharge of a firearm during a training exercise. The officer's injuries are not life-threatening. Kennebacasis Valley? (laughs) No, no, you nailed it. You nailed it. Say that again. (laughs) Kennebacasis. No, no, no. Uh, some sort of police force of some kind is investigating. Yeah, um, yeah. The only the only takeaway from this is there was there's uh, from Mark and James B. There's no such thing as an accidental discharge, only a negligent discharge. So actually, that's not true. There is such thing as an accidental discharge, and that's when your gun malfunctions. If there's a physical problem with it and it malfunctions, that's an accident. But if uh, if you press the trigger in the wrong direction and it goes off that's negligent so I'm guessing this was probably a negligent discharge and um, it happens far more often than people know um, well I mean the- if, if, especially if you're training and you're under stress and maybe you're not as good at, at, with your pistol as you think you are and, and, and you end it, up preloading the trigger yeah it, it, it that's happens. what it boils down to yeah absolutely um, I will stay rather vague but I've been to a range where right after the police left after doing their qualifications and we found a hole in the side of the shooting house. So you're supposed to be shooting forward and there was a hole 90 degrees <laughs> from downrange. Like, no, boys, that you got to keep your guns pointed in the safe direction. Just because you're cops and you're allowed to carry guns doesn't mean you're infallible with them. You will still make mistakes if you don't follow the rules. We have these rules for a reason. And uh, I, I don't know, it, it gets me, it bothers me a little bit because I think we should be holding our police forces to a higher standard. Uh, I, I certainly don't want to see anybody, uh, you know, have a, a, a negligent discharge, but the last people I would expect or, or would theoretically expect to have one would be somebody who is carrying one as a job. You know, mm-hmm. you should be very proficient, but sadly, that's actually not the case. Most police officers that I've trained with or trained or shot alongside needed work. Yeah. And I mean, like getting out to the range and practicing is one way to do it. And I think, you know, at first I kind of thought like, ah, yeah, cops are, (laughs) cops are, are, you know, shoot themselves again. But uh, uh, like at the same time, you put a bunch of people on a course who like normally like you you look at at what a, a, uh, officer does day to day they like pull people over and you know pull over people with like wide loads that don't have like proper markers on it and deal with drunk people and that kind of thing they don't they don't they're not like 
They're not with their like guns, guns 24 or they're, they're not, not using their guns. Fighters, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, and it's I get on that. them, but you know, they're not using it a lot. They're not uh, holstering it, you know, a lot, a lot of times in yep. different situations and all it takes is, you know, reaching down and not hitting your holster and hitting the trigger instead and, yep. you know. No, you're right. I, I do understand that there's a very good reason for this happening, but I still don't believe there's any sort of excuse. No, so, you're right. But anyhow. The reality, the reality is, Matthew, you probably have put more rounds downrange than a cop would as well. Probably. You get more time on the range. Yeah. Right? More okay. than likely. Yep. More than likely. Yeah, but you know, it, you know, like like Angel said, this isn't uh, you know the most cop. You know, actually, most cops aren't even gun people. They're, no, they they're didn't not, be, they didn't become not. a they didn't become a cop because they got to carry a gun. That's why I thought anybody carried a, or anybody wanted to be a cop because that's <laughs> for me. It was like, well, hey, I should be a cop, then I'd be allowed to carry a gun. When, you know, all the time. <laughs> Obviously, that's the wrong mentality to have for wanting to be a police officer, which is why I didn't become one. Um, but you know, most people, mo- most most cops, just because they're carrying a gun doesn't necessarily mean they're gunnies, and and yep. most of them aren't. And so that's why we we do see this higher than normal accident rate with them, I think. But uh, you know, whatever it is, it is what it is. And uh, the the biggest thing that I'm I'm happy about is it was non life threatening injury. So yep. you know, mm-hmm. he he lived to to learn from it and to fight another day. And by fight another day, I mean ticket somebody for driving too fast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can take this one from Jason Phelps if you want. Or sure. James. Is it James Phelps or Jason Phelps that sent it Jason. In? It, it certainly does say Jason. James Phelps in the show notes, though. But it's- I wrote it wrong. No, no. I believe it's his younger brother, maybe. Older brother, perhaps. <laughs> Father. I don't know. Nephew. So- Hi, Jason. <laughs> Anyways. We're going to call him James so- from now on. Uh, <laughs> speaking of cops, this one is a story about uh, a police officer in Calgary. Um, it, well, not really about him. Uh, nine handguns, four rifles, and a Calgary police badge was stolen in a break-in. So it looks like there was two guys that broke into uh, his home. So members of the uh, public are being asked to help identify two thieves who stole nine handguns, four rifles, and a badge from a retired police officer uh, from a house in southwest uh, sort of southeast Calgary. Uh, the daytime break-in happened on September 14th in the 100 block of uh, Copperfield Heights, southeast. Uh, police released uh, images of the uh, CCTV uh, footage and shows the suspects, as well as a picture of the stolen badge. So, yep, two guys broke into a retired police officer's home and basically... Was that all that was stolen? Or does it that's just... All that- that's all they reported was stolen. Oh, okay. I wonder if this was like a targeted hit. I wonder if they knew that he was a, a retired police officer and knew that he might have guns and a badge and uh, hit that place on purpose to, to gain those those yeah. items specifically. Because if so, that's kind of nefarious, uh, even more so than a normal break-in. In, uh, yeah, break-in. And, uh, you know, you got to wonder what sort of things they have planned with that gear. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, check it out. Especially people in Calgary. It's two young guys. Anyways. All right. So that's it with that. All right. Uh, This next one from Rob B. is from uh, Australia. And uh, the Melbourne police are saying that uh, there is a huge increase in uh, the silencers. They're finding a whole lot of silencers. A huge increase. I think they found one last year. (laughs) 
I think it was more than that. But the, the whole the whole point of the story was that it was really overblown. And they're quoting like Hollywood and saying that the only reason you'd ever want a silencer is so that you can be an assassin, basically. And they're talking about how people have been shot and nobody heard any shots. And so there's like this big scare on for silencers. Uh, well, I mean... I guess the I, I guess the 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 underworld could could be using these and and for mob hits and stuff. But my take on criminal on criminal gun violence has always been: let's toss them some more ammo. And if they're doing it and being quiet, I'm pff, look. I'm not even getting disturbed. <laughs> look at how how nice those guys are. <laughs> look, they're they're being polite. They're not disrupting the neighborhood, and they're taking out the bad guys. So what what? All right. Consider it. <laughs> Very yeah. considerate of them, but yeah, no, it's just it was just another example of 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 basic, I don't know, yellow journalism almost, where they're taking some minor issue and blowing it way out of proportion. Um, but that's that's the anti-gun sentiment that we get from most Commonwealth countries, and uh, looks like Australia included by this article. So anyway, thanks to Rob B for sending that in. G'day. G'day. I don't, know, I don't know if Rob B. is actually Australian himself. I think maybe he just found it, but we can say goodbye to him anyway. I don't know. He's, yeah. the, uh, he's one of our Patreon. Awesome. So he is he an Australian it. Patreon, though? I'm uh, assuming. I think so, because he hmm. uh, had mentioned this is what we're facing down in Australia in his email. Oh, okay. Cool. I didn't read the rest of the email. So, hmm. Well, Rob, <laughs> goodbye. And actually, uh, good, good morning, because uh, it's nighttime here, and so obviously it's morning there, because you're on the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. Almost literally. Very cool. <laughs> All right. So you got an update for us, eh, Kelly, from, the, uh, S- from Smith & Wesson? Okay, yeah, so Smith & Wesson M&P 1522, there was a ban on it at the Appleseed, but so give you a little bit of background. So, uh, yeah, so there were some issues with it basically um, going off in battery, uh, some failures in battery. So um, it was banned on the line at Appleseed. Uh, we got some information to say that uh, Smith & Wesson, it's still banned. Um, so if you have any issues with your M&P 1522, uh, you should uh, call their customer service department. It's 1-800-331-0852. They're very happy to talk to everybody who uh, has purchased an M&P 1522, see if there's any issues at all, uh, and they're working with people to try and fix the problem. And just to be clear, it's Appleseed program that has banned these, not like the Canadian government. That is you're, you're, correct. You're not in possession of Thank a prohibited you. firearm. They're not banned no. in Canada. <laughs> just at no, Appleseed events. Li- they're bad yeah, banned or, Yeah, so it just means that there's been some things that have happened on the line that uh, have caused some issues, and they're concerned about it, so they've taken them off the line. And, yeah, so uh, they've just noticed that they're... Yeah, as I said, well, in battery, there's, um, yeah, issues. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, give me a call. Joining us for our main topic this week is Brian Sheets. How's it going, Brian? Hey, I'm pretty good, guys. How are you? Can't complain. Good. He said guys, though, so that means Adriel and Kelly are supposed <laughs> to say how they I'm a are, girl. too. <laughs> it's, I, a, I'm it's been a long time since I've seen Kelly. That's all I can I know. say. It's, it's like what? Like, like what? Two weeks, three two weeks. weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Long time. Miss you, buddy. Yeah, I miss you too. I mean, I you're the only one of the hosts that will actually come down and hang out with me. I don't. I, don't I know. Get it. And you know what? I've done it twice. I know, right? Wow. Yeah. Like three times within the last year, too. Three times in the last twelve months. 
Well, I don't know about you, Matthew, but I haven't even got an invite. No, me either. Whatever. So apparently they don't like us. Huh. Uh, yeah. no, right, well, thanks there. for joining us. <laughs> Click. <Yeah. laughs> uh, no, seriously, though. Uh, you, uh, you had a bit of an adventure, I guess, uh, to put it lightly, uh, a little while back, and we thought we'd have you on and, uh, and have you share said adventure with us and maybe uh, some lessons learned and, and maybe a little bit of a... Uh, uh, primer on on tourniquet use. Yeah, I can so do that. That kind of gives away a little bit. Although anybody who's listening probably has already read the title, so already it's not really a surprise that we're <laughs> going to be talking about tourniquets. So, is there it, when you have a head wound? It's just right around the the base of the neck is where you put just it, just above the clavicle, and just, then right in between the clavicle and the Adam's apple, that's, and then just uh, twist down yeah. until the bleeding stops. Just, yeah, exactly. That's what you do. Perfect. Okay. I mean, all right. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Well, uh, Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that is completely false. Do not take any of that. that is, well, warning. Warning. <laughs> warning. 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 Do not listen to us. We are idiots at this point. Yes. No, not do not certified. put a tourniquet around somebody's neck. Yes. That's Gosh. for limbs only. Yeah. Limbs only. So. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you just kick us off here and just kind of start wherever you'd like and, and walk us through uh, what happened. All right, so they're on this dark, cold night. I was born in a manger. And <laughs> I'll fast forward. Fast, I'll fast forward from there. Just, just a few, um, yeah, a little ways. A few years, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, this was about a month ago now. I've been kind of neglecting putting on online just because I, you know, I wanted to see where it's just some stuff that you know. Sometimes things need to shake out before you can really talk about things, and this is kind of the first I've really talked about it. Um, other than just like face to face to people. Um, well, we are expose journalism, so I mean that that's what we do exactly. here at that's Slam why, Fire that's Radio. Why I came to you guys first? Cutting edge, right. exclusive stories. <laughs> Wait, no, we do the news. We're washed up has beens. <laughs> I think you guys were really scraping the bottom of the barrel when you're like, "Hey, would you like to come on?" I think that was really what happened. <laughs> Everybody else backed out on us. Where's Furlot, anyways? Oh yeah, he didn't show up again. We got to call Brian. So. <laughs> Basically, you nailed it. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm in. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, about a month ago, uh, I shoot bullseye competitions. I, I decided last year I really wanted to focus more back on the fundamentals. I was always doing the fast, fun, cool stuff, but I decided it's time. I really need to go back and focus on my fundamentals again. Um, it's never a bad place to start or return to, I don't think. So I started shooting bullseye. So I've been shooting bullseye for about a mm, little under a year. Uh, pretty seriously, though, I go about every week. Except for tonight, because I skipped it to come talk with you guys. But that's near neither here nor there. You know, <laughs> the things I do, sacrifices I make for my friends. Of but, course. Um, you know, absolutely. Uh, so we do the match. Um, it's kind of a you know a short match. A lot of the guys are older. Um, we only do the sixty round. Um, shot at twenty five yards. Typically, um, rimfire twenty two pistols. So it's cool. You know done with the thing well a lot of times though some of the older guys are also ipsic and idfa shooters and the laughter that we're done shooting um the match then they'll go and do some more fast draw from a holster and do just do some fundamental drills that relate back to their thing well some of the other guys that aren't technically um how do i say uh really versed in that area like they'll just say hey i got my you know they'll just want they just kind of come over to play a little bit draw their guns and fire and stuff like that too um now 
uh, I hung out a little bit with them and they're like, well, show us what you can do. Cause they all know that, you know, about Valkyrie defense and that we teach and, and I'm like, okay, well, so, and also one of our assistant instructors was there with me, Sean, whose birthday's tomorrow. Happy birthday, Sean. Um, he, uh, we, we, I think the game that they were playing was draw and fire one round. They just wanted to see how and, and make one hit. That was all they were really doing on an eight-inch circle at like 10 yards, I think. So they're drawing and firing, and they said, ah, come up here and let it, show us how to do it. So we, we did a few reps. I think I did like 10 reps, and I'm like, all right, guys, i got to go to a birthday party. I'm out. So I go to leave. Sean says, I'm, I'm leaving too. Let's go. So we talk, We went out by my truck, and we were talking about that weekend's class, like, hey, how many do we have? You know, what do we need to look for? You know, is there any any special needs or anything like that for courses and stuff? So, uh, or with students. So, kind of, he was like, well, I got to get out of here. Yep, me too. So, he jumps in his truck and drives away. And for some unknown reason, I don't know why, I decided to not in once in my life text and drive. I actually sat there for a couple minutes and answered about three or four texts that came in to me. Um, odd. Because normally I live on the edge and, you know, I like to text and drive. I like to take chances. Um, so, but I sat there for a minute and that Sean, I watched him pull around my truck and drive around the range and pull out and leave. And I heard the typical, they, like they were still doing their drills. I heard gunshot as he was driving away and I didn't think anything of it. So I finished my text and I go to put my truck in reverse. And one of the guys comes running around the building waving his arms. And I'm like, oh, I rolled down the window like, hey, what's up? He's like. I said, did I, did I forget something? He was like, no, um, so-and-so just shot themselves. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I um, always keep my, my med kit. Like we, we tell everybody, you know, always have a medical kit on you somewhere. So I grab my, my trauma bag, actually, that we use for all our courses. Um, I have one. Jason has one. I grab mine out of the back of the uh, back of the truck. And I took off running towards, the, towards where they pointed me. And uh, when I got there... The gentleman was uh, making his way over to uh, to a chair to sit down, and I could see that he was kind of limping with one leg. Um, one of our former students was standing there, and he was, like, waving me over frantically, and I'm like, okay, what's up? I, I said, he said, uh, he just he just shot himself reholstering, and I was like, okay, well, let me, uh, let me, let me see it. I need you to take your pants off, and he said no. Um, he was very bashful. I said, okay, well, I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut your pant leg off then. He said, no, these are my good pants. Um, There's a hole in it now, sir. Well, you probably, well, they're probably not yeah. going to be good pants yeah. anymore. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get there. That's kind of, I'm just going to give you the whole story. Then okay. we'll talk about lessons learned in a minute. Okay. Um, so, uh, he, uh, he, I said, okay, but I need to see, I need to see the wound. I need to see what's going on. So he actually pulled his pant leg up while I was putting on gloves. Um, always carry the gloves in there too. I don't know this, you know, I know the guy. He's an, he's probably one of the best bullseye shooters that we have at, at our clubs every week. Um, he's 70 years old, super nice guy, handles the gun more, more safe than anybody else on the range every week. Um, so that, which proves that it can happen to anybody at any time. So, you know, always respect that firearm. Um, but as I was putting the gloves on, he was rolling his pant leg up. So I got down and he was still sitting in a chair. He, uh, he didn't want to lay on the ground. I said, uh, let me see it here. Uh, so I kind of was looking at it. I kind of got down on my knees, kind of beside his leg and I'm looking, I said, well, this is either a graze or an entry and I'm not going to stick my finger in it. I said, I don't want to cause any more damage. I said, is, you know, you're, it's bleeding, but a compression bandage is going to do. So I compression bandaged it. And as I was, you know, I, well, I reached up and grabbed my compression bandage toward it with my teeth, applied the compression bandage as you're supposed to. Um, and 
as I was doing that, another gentleman reached down and said his shoe is full of blood. And I'm like, okay, well, let me get to that in a second. But as I said that, um, they were also untying his shoe and then they pulled his sock down. And as they did that, um, it squirted blood um, up, up my pants and onto my shirt. Ooh. And that was, uh, that, at that point, I realized that we had a little more of a little serious problem than what I initially um, thought when I got there. Now, granted, this hadn't taken very long, much time. This was, you know, maybe three minutes, maybe at most, because I ran. I ran from my truck to, to the range um, with my bag. I didn't have to go looking for those supplies. They were in my hand. Um, so I grabbed the tourniquet that I already had laid out, grabbed it, slid it up his leg, um, cinched it down, started twisting it. And uh, as I was twisting it, I had, to, I had to twist on it so hard that I was tw- actually twisting the windlass in half. Um, oh, wow. It was pumping. It was still, you know, pump, pump, pump. And as I'm twisting, the more I'm twisting, you can see it slow, slowly um, s- slowing. Uh, as I, you know, finally got it twisted down, I, it stopped. I secured the tourniquet, um, went and grabbed another compression bandage, compressioned it over that hole, um, and we waited for the medical, uh, the medical professionals to arrive at that point. Um, first on scene was a medic, then, then was followed closely by a uh, uh, ambulance with uh, two other uh, EMTs inside. And I believe it was right after that or with that ambulance, the sheriff showed up. So there was quite a few people on hand. Then um, I was kind of just threw up my hands and walked away and said, I'm good. Uh, the, the real people are the real, the real heroes are here now. Yeah. So um, that's about it. That That's really the story. Um, your turn so, to ask me questions. I all guess. right. So, well, <laughs> I, I guess let's start, let's start at the beginning and start with the questions in chronological order, I guess. Do we know what what it was exactly that he did when he shot himself. So let, let's learn, first of all, from his mistake. Was it finger on the trigger? Was it something got caught in the trigger guard? Do we know how his gun went off when he was holstering? Yes. Well, at, initially we didn't. All we knew was it went down the side. When, he, when I first initially talked to him, when I said, you know, what's up? How did this happen? I don't know. My finger was still on the trigger. He, that was all he said. So I didn't know if it happened reholstering then, but as time went on, I got to talk to him a day or two later after he got out of the hospital. Um, he said that he was he drew and fire and missed, and he was perplexed because he doesn't miss that often. He is a very good shooter. I'll give him that. Um, and when he come back in, his you know conscious mind was on the target itself. It wasn't on the finger, and he had not done this enough to ingrain in him that subconscious. Um, uh, uh, how do I say that subconscious uh, or that uh, habitual um, the habit of of taking his finger off the trigger once he comes back to high compress ready or brings the gun down he just hadn't trained that into himself yet and so when he went to reholster his finger was still on his trigger while he was thinking about that target versus what he was actually doing uh, which is very important why we always tell people if you're going to reholster you need to be thinking about reholstering um, not not anything else but that right Okay, so it was just, uh, I mean, he, he's a bullseye shooter, but bullseye shooters, I guess, don't shoot from the holster? No, they don't. It's, uh, okay. it's like I said, it's 25 yards, uh, slow fire, and then they do some fast fire stuff. But you always start with the gun in your hand, and the gun is only ever laid on a table in front of you. Oh, okay. there's, no, there's no drawing and firing. It's kind of like the, I think it's called up there, you guys call it like PPS or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. gotcha. Yeah. I understand now. Okay, so he, so while he was a very competent shooter... Uh, yes. He just—he wasn't very competent with his holstering. 
Exactly. Yeah, okay. it was just out of it was out of his wheelhouse. It was just sure. something he hadn't worked with that much. He, oh. And actually, he told me the next day or the next two days later when I actually got to talk to him was that was a brand new holster. He's never even used it before. That was the first night he ever used it. Oh yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I mean, the lesson learned from that then I guess is anytime you're going to be running a holster, make sure that uh, you know you're really thinking about running that holster. Exactly. But uh, but yeah, okay. I was just curious if, if we could learn anything from from that gentleman's mistake, anyways. But uh, we could, so yeah. that's good. Um, so so then on to on to when the accident itself actually happened. So you said uh, somebody came over and got a hold of you, and and you just grabbed your kit and you you ran right over. So you got your kit with you everywhere you go. I mean, do, do you have it? I yes. mean, so, so regardless of if you're going to the range or not, you've got it in your truck. Always. And that's one of the things we always try to tell people, like, you're more than likely to get hit head on on the way home by a drunk driver than you are to ever have to use your gun in, in, in real life. Right. In, in a life and death situation. Um, you know, and that doesn't just go for you either. That's, you know, how many how many gunfights have you guys been in? Well, I've just six this yet. year so far, but yeah. well, you are the golden bullet, and I'm just staying <laughs> away from you. So, um, <laughs> I, but I've never been in one myself. But I've actually been on. Now, this would make my second. Um, you know, I guess you would call extreme trauma. Uh, you know, situation. Uh, the first one, the person died where I was at, um, and that's not some. That's not fun either. No, you know, you know, to do everything you can do and then have the person die there in your arms. That's not fun either. So. Um, yeah, it's. We try to tell people you always need to have a medical kit on you. Um, I I carry a, a Dark Angel. It's called a Pocket Dark. It has a tourniquet in it, um, compression bandage, or I'm sorry, tourniquet, tourniquet um, or a SWAT T tourniquet that can be used as a, as a compression bandage with the uh, the large thing of gauze. Has Cellox Rapid clot, and it has uh, some duct tape in there if you need to seal up a, a sucking chest wound. Um, and, and it's and not it just, even all that big, is it? No, it just fits. It fits in a cargo pocket. That's actually usually where I carry it. I always have that on me. Um, I usually carry a uh, Dark Angel Dark kit also in my car, and um, and our trauma bag for our range. Um, but sometimes that Dark kit gets moved around uh, between my car and my wife's car, depending upon what uh, what I'm doing and what I'm where I'm going, if I'm with her or not. So right. I just uh, I just looked up the Pocket Dark. It's forty dollars U.S. Yeah. Like th- this is not an expensive piece of kit. No, I I don't see any reason why I, I can't think of it. If if you have enough money to buy ammo to go to the range and go and go shooting, I think you should you know splurge a little and and pick up one of these to have with you. Yeah, um, that's and that's the funny thing. Like I, I when I first started coming around, like I would show up and I would have my little. Um, I always keep my, like I say, I keep my pocket dark in my pocket all the time, but then I also have like that dark kit with me or I have, you know, sometimes I would have uh, one that I made individually and just thrown in a backpack. And I'd say, you know, jokingly, Hey guys, if you ever need this, my med kit's right here. And they would always laugh at me and be like, Oh, you need that for, well, I don't know. Well, I've been shooting, you know, for 40 some years, you know, and that it's, it's always, you know, that's the type of guys you're hanging out with whenever I'm shooting. And they never thought ever. To bring it to bring a medical kit with them, right. um, it wasn't until after this really happened that people got serious and asked our range, "Hey, where's our med kits at?" <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and and that's why I just tell people, you know, if you're going to go to the range, you need to have a medical kit, or the range needs to have one. But don't don't rely on just the range to have it for you. You need might need one between the range and home, and that that's an issue. Yeah, well, I know that the ranges that I've been to, they have first aid kits. But they're not trauma kits by any stretch of the imagination. There's some gauze and some tape and some band-aids. 
Yeah, That's and there's a big difference. It. And you're not <laughs> going to do. Difference. You're not going to save somebody's life with a bandaid if they've you know severed their femoral artery. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah. You're not going to do much for them at all. No. Um, you better you better figure out real quick how to field expedient a uh, a tourniquet or something like that Absolutely. real fast. So what what's the main difference between? Uh, like, I'm just guessing here that the uh, the the full size dart kit just has more gear in it. Yeah, the full size dark has a uh, set of shears and it has a larger uh, piece of cellox or a, a hemostatic agent. Um, I think you can that's either the, get that's cell- the clotting agent, right? Yeah, the clotting agent. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. That's um, okay. I'm just uh, dumbing it down for the listeners. So- we know who listens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they appreciate that. Well, I was um, I was talking about Trevor because he listens. Oh, everywhere. okay. But, you know, I get, whatever. I get it. I get yeah. You. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There is a there's Cellox and then the other brand is called Quick Clot. Right. Um, I prefer Cellox because Cellox was is really made for people like us. When I say people like us, I don't mean between the ages of of eighteen and thirty that are in prime fighting condition like you would find in the military. Right. Think of it more as commercial grade versus mil spec. Okay. Um, that's kind of how you know Cellox works better with people on blood thinners. It works better um, in cold temperatures. It, anything that you can think of that would um, that would cause um, blood to clot a little harder or, or have a harder time clotting blood, Cellox works very well with. Oh, okay, um, cool. Yeah, so it's 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 in my opinion, it's it's better than than quick clot, and that's why I go with it. So you can order it both ways, though. Um, it also has um, some has the shears has the um a larger package of the, of the hemostatic agent quick clots and cellox um it also has the gloves it has uh, a cat tourniquet in it versus the swat tourniquet inside the dark pocket and it also has um halo seals for for chest wounds so if you have like a sucking chest wound it actually has like the uh legit um chest seals in it oh, okay cool yeah. So now let's just talk about uh, the basic items in there again. You you talked about the tourniquet, the quick clot. Uh, I'm just going to use the generic. T- the, the, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty obvious. Pretty everybody always knows it as. Yeah, so. the quick clot. Yeah, and the you know compression bandages and stuff. Just because you have that, are they pretty foolproof to use, or what sort of training are, are people going to need to to operate this gear? That was one of the big takeaways from this incident that I had. If I had. I had already taken the uh, the Dark Angel medical course, their their direct action response course. If I probably if I hadn't take that taken that, I've I had training in tourniquets and compression bandages before that, but I never had the actual hands on that they gave me in that two day class. And the class was pricey; it was probably five hundred dollars. But I also got a, a I got a kit along with it, and I got two days of training on how to use this stuff. And it wasn't just for gunshot wounds and stuff like that, they range, it ranged from everything from um, exposures to heat and cold all the way up to um, um, puncture wounds, gunshots, um, everything. I mean, it ran the entire gambit, uh, deep lacerations, um, complete um, uh, breaks, external fractures, and all that stuff like that. It, it was a very, very good class. Um, someone in the class actually reckoned uh, they related it to a, a, an actual medic course that, that a certified medic would have to take only condensed down to a two-day course. So it was really great. And I don't think that I would have fared as well or would have acted um, spot on as I did if I hadn't had that had that training prior to that because you don't want to be covered in someone else's blood 
you know, while, you know, everyone else is losing their minds around you and you're the only calm voice of reason and you're trying to figure out how to use a tourniquet or how to wrap uh, uh, a compression bandage properly. That's not the time to figure that stuff out. Yeah, you should. Yeah, that stuff should be sort of the autopilot part, whereas the rest of your brain can be used to help calm people down and and to give them instructions to go get more help. Yeah, and I you I had to I had to direct them on. Hey, has anybody called nine one one? Who's going? To, I need someone to go to the end of the driveway to make sure that the ambulance knows what which range we're at. So you know, and and the the other guys when they were they've never thought this out. So a lot of forethought goes. You know, I've always prepared every time I we teach a class and I'm teaching the medical portion. Anybody who comes to a to a Valkyrie Defense course is going to get about a 20-minute to 30-minute section on us talking about those three items, compression bandage, tourniquets, and hemostatic agents. And we're going to talk, you know, and kind of give you a little rundown on how to use those things. We're also, you know, every time I'm doing those, every time I'm teaching that, I'm actually picturing myself and visualizing myself um, putting it on to somebody or putting it on to one of the, one of the students, you know. Uh, I think visualization is a huge is huge in uh, in preparing your mind for what you're going to have to go through. It also helps automate things a little little quicker, as you said before. Yeah, and we've talked about that in the past too. I mean, even even for the shooting sports, we've always said that you know if you can visualize, if you're at work bored out of your mind, visualize the perfect stance, the perfect grip, the perfect sight picture, and the perfect trigger trigger press, and just doing it in your brain, just in your mind, is a, a good way to practice something. And this this is no no exception. I mean, uh, absolutely. If if you know these skills already, practice them over in your head and and have that sort of as a an autopilot ability whenever the actual emergency comes to light yeah and i mean dark angel gave me that ability and and to to practice putting that stuff on people like we actually apply tourniquets to our not just to ourselves all weekend but we were applying them to our to our buddy that was sitting to your left or your right and they would it was really neat they would say you know uh tourniquet left arm person to your left you know and and so you would have to grab that tourniquet off the desk in front of you or wherever you had a tourniquet in your pocket and your wherever and slap it on that person and do it and it helps it, it really helped that uh, I didn't have to think about it everything I came across um, during that situation was just automated like I, I saw I saw the, uh, the the wound the graze wound or intra- it turned out to be an entry wound um, saw that I was like okay I, it's, it's just bleeding there's no squirting of blood no obviously this is an arterial bleed compression bandage that's all this is needs and then you i worked down the body i I, yep. I knew how to do that so so uh, did you end up finding out how the bullet traveled down the leg was it just uh, in the thigh out the ankle kind of thing yeah so it went in and down the leg it, so it entered the thigh and it ran down the leg um parallel with the with the leg uh and then uh, struck the uh struck his shin bone and mm-hmm. then exited above his ankle oh okay um, Ouch. Yeah, it gra- it grazed his artery, um, but actually did not puncture the artery. Now, see, that's one other thing that I was going to say. Um, lesson learned in this: everybody saw squirting blood. Everybody saw pumping with the heart blood coming out this leg. None of us had an, our MRI machine on us, so no, we didn't. You know didn't. You didn't all... bring. You didn't bring your MRI machine to the yeah, range. Yeah, I then. left it at home. Oh, actually, I see. You know, yeah, it was on my other key ring. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all I could do was just react to what I saw, and I, I and I felt bad for almost a, a day or two after that because they're whenever they called me and said, "Yeah, it was just grazed," they didn't actually puncture his artery. 
I felt kind of bad to my, you know, myself. And I'm like, maybe I overreacted. Maybe I put a tourniquet on somebody who really didn't need it. But at the same time, I, and, and one of my friends who is a medic, you know, I was talking to him about it. And he said, dude, you did everything that you could do. And he said, we would have done the same thing. We would have had to have done the same thing. If you see that, you have no other way to know if whether it is or isn't an actual arterial bleed. He said, if there's pulsing blood, you have to put a tourniquet on. And that's what I did. And so I, I feel a little better about it now after talking with you know, him and, and you know all the, all the medics that were there, they were kind of like, whose work is this? And I was like, oh, and like sheepishly like, oh, that's mine. Like I thought I was going to get in trouble. But they're like, you, you probably saved this guy's life, you know, because they all saw the blood too. They saw the yeah. amount of blood that was on the ground. It, it was a lot of blood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you just uh, you mentioned briefly there about the lessons learned. Why don't you? You said you had a bit of a list of, of some of the things you learned. Why don't you go down that for us and, and let's let's learn about some of the things that you learned in this ordeal. Okay. So you know, like first thing, um, some people were going to lock up. You know, there was another guy at the range with a trauma kit, um, but he just couldn't bring himself to use it. Uh, he did panic a little, and I and I honestly I can't fault him in that. He had the stuff, but he didn't have the training. Right. And that's one of those things, you know, it, we see that with gun guys too, you know, the, you see the guy, the tactical peacock on the range who has everything, you know, he's like $3,000 in, in Arcteryx gear, you know, the $2,000, uh, you know, Master Blaster 6,000, and but they honestly <laughs> don't really have the skills to do it. Right. You know, he had the kit with good intention, you know, and he he had been to our courses before, He's but he's he knew enough to build the kit but he didn't know enough to actually use it. And so that was kind of, he was feeling bad about himself after that. Um, I still say Dark Angel was probably the best out there in my opinion, but they are the ones that I've dealt with. And, and uh, hey, if you go on their website and look up save number 56, that's that's me. The, the, you know, they changed, they changed a little bit of the details just to, uh, because I asked them to, but that's, you know, you can go on there and read how many other ones that's just 56 this year uh alone uh, i think there was three in that week that i actually when i contacted them and said hey you guys saved another life yeah uh, so that was one of those things just get get the training you know you just having the stuff isn't enough um don't let the patient dictate um don't dictate the care um that was my big thing when i told you there at the beginning and we kind of chuckled about it he <laughs> wouldn't let me he wouldn't take his pants off um and he also wouldn't let me cut his pant leg off. So I kind of, that was my fault at first, but it didn't seem as serious then. So it was just like, okay, he grazed himself, you know, whatever. Let me just get this and make sure this is okay. And, but as soon as everything, as everything started ramping up, that was when I realized I messed up big time because when he rolled that pant leg up and went over, I had to put the tourniquet over top of that because we go as high on the limb as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, the arteries are closer to the skin, um, the higher on the limb you go. And basically what we're doing with, with a tourniquet is you're – has anybody ever stepped on – everybody's always going out and stepped on a garden. You plant a trick on somebody who's watering the garden. You go out and step on the garden hose, right? Yep. And you wait for them to look down the end of it, and then you take your foot off. Well, of that's what you're doing with the tourniquet. You're actually taking that, taking that artery up high and just crimping it or pressing it against the bone and cutting off that flow. That's all you're doing. Well – because of all that extra added bulk of that pant leg, I, I couldn't get the tourniquet. I got the tourniquet as tight as I needed to, but it, the tourniquet almost failed. It was a Cat 5 tourniquet. Um, the new ones are a little more beefy. 
Um, but I mean, and they're used by the military, so we can't say the cat tourniquets aren't, you know, aren't up to par or up to, up to snuff. I mean, they've saved thousands of lives in the military, um, in the, especially in the last 16 years, you know, that we've been at war. Uh, we have, you guys have been there for, you know, with us, helping us out. Um, but we, it, you know, when you see plastic and Adriel probably knows what I'm talking about with, uh, with his little, um, 3d printer but whenever plastic starts stretching it starts to turn white um yep that I know was, that was okay that was what the bottom of that tourniquet was starting to do as i made that last round that last revolution and as soon as i saw it uh the the wound stopped pumping i actually that's when i secured it um but i don't think i don't know if i would have been able to go another full round without that tourniquet breaking so that was a lesson learned. Don't let the patient dictate the care, the, the, the care you're going to give them. Yeah, it likely um, wouldn't have failed that way had you had exposed skin to work with as opposed to all that rolled up fabric. Yeah, exactly. I would have just – it probably would have been, you know, like one or two turns and it would have been done. Yep. But because of that, it was it was more of a, you know, a little more of a, of a weight. And he, start, he did start to go into shock, which was kind of weird for me because he was talking. And then all of a sudden I see his arm straw into his chest and he started to kind of slump over to the side. But as soon as that tourniquet went tight and, and the, the pumping stopped, it was like a light bulb. Like, you, like you just flipped a switch and he came right back and was like, wow. Like, yeah, make sure you go put, make sure you put my gun in that bag. You know, it goes in this pocket in the front. I don't want to be looking for it later. And, you know, cause you know, it, it was like, it was weird. It's crazy how, how quickly they, they come back, <laughs> you know, do stop, stop the leak. And, uh, Oh, look at that. The blood yeah. pressure regains yeah. and everything starts working again. Yeah. It, it, and it wouldn't have been so drastic like that if I would have got him to lay on the ground too. Right. If exactly. I would have, if I would have just kicked that chair off from underneath of him and said, yeah. you need to lay on the ground versus, you know, okay, let me see this, you know, but I really, I walked into it, not, you know, and it was another lesson learned. I, right. It was just one of those things from now on, you got to take control of the situation. They're going to listen to you because you're not the one who shot themselves or you're not yeah. the one in the situation. Right. Um, you know, uh, this stuff never happens when you're expecting it. That was the other thing too. Um, you know, it's going to happen on the day that you're late for your nephew's birthday party. And that was me. Yeah. You know, I, I was leaving, I was pulling out of the driveway to leave to go to the birthday party. And when they got me, if I wouldn't have left, I don't know if that guy would have lived because there was nobody out. They didn't even know that there was a medical kit inside another medical kit inside the building. And then, like I said, the other guy kind of locked up and didn't, really have uh didn't have the training to use his he kind of locked up himself and so i'm not sure if they would have got the squad there in time because it was probably another eight to ten minutes before the squad even came and we're we're not that far out of town so if it would have been anywhere else and if i wouldn't have been there i'm not sure if he would have made it right um the medics even said that themselves when they got there um so like i say you're not it's not going to happen on the day that you want it to happen, you're not going to be ready. You know, you're not going to be standing there on the range or you're, you're you know, you're not going to be standing there alongside the road and say, okay, at this intersection, someone's going to hit head on right here. Let's do it. Game time. It, like I said, I was pulling out of the driveway. I, I, I don't remember putting my truck at park. Honestly, uh, I actually left it run and someone said they shut it off for me. I just grabbed my stuff and ran. Well, again, that's but, one of those automated things, right? Your body just knew what to do. Yeah, and so it was kind of funny. Uh, this is a little side caveat. I, I called my wife after everything kind of settled down. I'm like, hey, I'm late. She's like, yeah, where you at? I'm like, uh, 
so there was a little accident. Someone shot themselves, but everything's okay. Um, I am kind of covered in blood. She's like, we'll just hurry up and get here. Like, it didn't <laughs> register with her. And, and I'm like, uh, I don't really look that good. And she was like, okay, okay, fine. You know, obviously I could tell that she just answered the phone just to tell me to hurry up and get there. And yeah. she was like talking to somebody else. And I'm like, uh, okay. She's like, okay, bye. Love you, Love you too. Uh, and so I got blood on my shorts, blood on my pants, and then I come rolling into a five-year-old's birthday party, <laughs> and I looked like I was just involved in a chainsaw or a machete attack. Like I just walked out of the like Rocky Horror Picture, right? Uh, and and all the kids are like looking at me, and I'm like, yeah. And everyone's like, what the heck happened to you? And I'm like, I don't know what you guys think when I say someone shot themselves, but it was messy, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> That's eh, a little funny side story for you, but yeah. Then they kind of then they all believed me after they saw me that someone yeah. actually did. So yeah. So that was that was another thing. Like say, just be always be prepared. Always have that kit with you. You know, um, and and get the training. The training's the biggest thing. Um, we've talked. We uh, Valkyrie Defense. We might host Dark Angel next year. Um, we're talking with a couple other. Uh, um, other local businesses that might want to chip in and maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll bring them in, but we would need, if anybody's interested in that, um, shoot me an email, shoot me a personal message on Facebook. No problem. Uh, and we'll, we're kind of, kind of gauge interest before we do sign anything up. We didn't, we need, definitely need 12 individuals, um, uh, to, to even get them to come cause they're coming from out West. Um, and they also book six months in advance. Oh, so wow. we, yeah, they're, they're, they travel all over. They do a lot of police agencies. They do military. They they're really cool, and uh, their instructors are top notch. I can't. I, I talked to them afterward. After all this event, I kind of got to got to be a little closer friends with them on Facebook, and we were talking a little bit. And he was uh, his name's Ross, and he is he is hysterical. If you uh, like dark sense of humor or have an odd sense of humor like I do, you will sit there and laugh your butt off for two days straight because I did. It was great. So if anybody's interested in that, shoot me a personal message or shoot Valkyrie Defense a message on Facebook. Um, you can email me too or email Valkyrie Defense as well. And we're going to try to see if we can get enough get interest gained up to uh, to maybe bring them in uh, maybe next summer or fall. So Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, any, any, like, anything that you want to mention that you haven't mentioned yet? Yeah. Uh, well, Furlot did bail on us for three weeks in yep. a row. Yep. You know, that was that, make sure be... that, that gets tossed out there. Yes, yes. Um, good. Yeah. Uh, any Anybody else we can throw under the bus? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Kelly or, or Adriel, what do you guys got? Anything? Um, no, well, you mentioned actually, that course. I... Are there any other uh, Are there any other courses that you would recommend that people uh, take take as part of their training? Yeah, I mean, you can find like you know Red Cross, the basic first aid stuff like that. Anything, anything's going to help, in my opinion. Uh, as long as you can start understanding, keep the juices in, and keep the air going in and out. Um, anything like that's going to help. Uh, there, there are other companies out there. Um, I think there's Lone Star Medics. They do, they do a very good job. Um, you can anybody can get into a first responders course uh, in in the states. I'm not sure about up there, but anybody can you know walk down and, and sign up for an EMS or or uh, EMT course in 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 Ohio. Um, so uh, any 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 type of training, you know, even if it's just going online. Uh, I know the uh, Department of Homeland Security um, down here has a campaign that they're doing called Stop the Bleed, and you can go on there and watch videos and read all this stuff on. They're really trying to push to get people to start carrying tourniquets now. 
Um, and if I don't know if one of you guys want to put the put that in the show notes later, but you just go on a Depart- Department of Homeland Security, and I think it's I think it's called Stop the Bleed. But it this is going to become tourniquets are going to become more prevalent. It's what's going to happen. Well, there used um, to be a big hate on for them. People used to think that they you're you know, right. Yeah, the, the, and and that is a hard stigma to break. I know that. I mean, I carry a tourniquet. I, I basically have. Uh, I don't have the the dark pocket kit from uh, from Dark Angel, but I have a very similar kit in my truck, and same as you, goes with me yeah. everywhere I go. I've always got yeah. that with me because you just never know. Um, yeah, but, uh, I agree. But yeah, it doesn't have to be that dark kit, I, you know. No, no, no. Like no. you said, you built yours. I built, I built a couple of mine. You know, I, yeah. I have them. I have them at the house. I have them in my truck. I'm in my wife's car. You know, but you know, I, I always carry around the dark kits because they're vacuum packed, they're sealed, and they come in this handy dandy little, you know, um, carrying case. So exactly. everything kind of they're protected. Yes. So, I mean, just building a kit, you start with that hemostatic agent, that tourniquet, and um, compression bandage. That's a good start. Yep. You know. Um, it's not going to, you know, you're not going to, if someone's, you know, has a splinter, you're not going to whip out a tourniquet on it, you know. Wait, what? I wouldn't, but <laughs> the class you would. But. I might. You never know. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> but, you know, it's not, it's not a boo-boo kit. I mean, you no. can, you can also build yourself a boo-boo kit, you know. Sure. Um, what I like, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like to call them stickers. I don't know if you have to uh, uh, edit that one out, but that's what I call band-aids, um, just to make sure people stop cutting themselves. <laughs> so, um, time stamp. Um, yeah, I got it. I got it. No, got it. It, okay, yeah, good. That, that'll be a bleep. <laughs> yes. But it's funny. I do I do like the that's a good yeah. term. And, and yes, you can use yeah. it. You can it, use it. I use it every week. Um, but yeah, but but that stigma of of the the tourniquet is an evil thing. We we've seen, like I said, we've been at war for 16 years. We have seen some of these things stay on a tourniquet, stay on up to six to eight hours without destroying the limb. Right. That's yeah, incredible. The technology it, for saving the limb has come such a long way that you don't need to yeah. worry about that anymore. I mean, you're not going to have somebody, you know, you're not going to leave it on for a week if you're out in the middle of the woods. I mean, the guy's probably just going to die. So, you know, yeah. whatever it is, what it is. At that point, you know, if, if you have to put it on, it's going to be, you're going to be it was extended. You need to, you know, there's certain ways to release pressure every now and then, but you yeah. got to do it a certain way where you can stop the heart because what, you know, arteries carry blood too, veins carry blood away. Yeah. Uh, you have to waste away. Um, that, that nasty stuff that's not getting circulated back around to get filtered is building up inside your arm is yeah. underneath that head of that tourniquet. If you actually release that thing really fast, um, you could actually kill somebody. So it needs to be taken off by professionals or a certain way. So uh, once they're on from us, you know they're on. We don't, I right. don't touch them. Yep, and that's that, that's a good thing to actually mention, just to make sure that. I mean, hopefully nobody needs to who's listening needs to use one. But if they do, I mean, look, I, I think it's having the gear. Just like it's just like shooting. Having the cool guns is awesome. If you don't know how to shoot them, it's useless. Having this a tourniquet and a compression bandage and a quick clot and all that stuff, that's great. I encourage everybody to get one. Even if you don't have training, go get one. But then make sure you get the training. Make sure at least, at the very minimum, go watch some YouTube videos on how to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's better than nothing. That's right. I mean, yeah. and, then, and then if you're going to buy a tourniquet, make sure you go buy a second one too that you can practice with it. Right. Um, that's they're a kind idea. of a one, one-time use thing because you don't um, – they will – once you do – tighten it down to a point where it does actually cut the circulation off, you can consider that tourniquet compromised. Right. So I always like to tell people they, they do make practice tourniquets. They're actually more hefty and beefy than an actual tourniquet, um, than a real life one. Um, 
and you can get those and practice with them. But yeah, always don't ever, you know, practice with the tourniquet you're going to carry. Right. So yeah, good. Very good. All right. Well, any, uh, any parting thoughts from anybody before we, uh, cut him loose? I just wanted to say thanks for coming on, but did you want to tell uh, us about some of the classes that you have coming up, coming up? Maybe Matthew and uh, Adriel will be able to come to one. Oh yeah, we have one in uh, we have one in Battle Creek, Michigan. We need some more people um, to get it off and running. Um, I forget how many more they needed uh, to secure it, uh, but yeah, that one's coming up in October eighth and ninth uh, in Battle Creek, Michigan. That's our advanced course, our uh, counter ambush concepts course. Yeah, we actually mentioned that one already this show. So uh, oh, you're well, you're you behind. Yeah, cut that out then. Too yeah. late. It's already in. Hang it. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but if anybody does want to does want to come to that, uh, get a hold of Stacy. Um, or I think she has all the online registration form and everything. She can just shoot it off to you, and uh, or or send send me a message again, and I will uh, do that as well. So cool. Um, all right. Well, if there's nothing else, uh, you know, thanks for coming on and, and telling us a story. And, uh, you know, hopefully that has encouraged some of our listeners to go out and get a, a trauma kit and, and get some, some training on it, too. Maybe we can save some more lives. I hope so. That's what, that's the, that's what we're here for. You know, we're just here to try to make a difference. And if we can sway someone to uh, to maybe think a little more outside the box and just other than a, a gun is here to protect me and that's all I need. You know, I got a gun. What am I worried about? You know, kind of thing. Uh, it's really hard to pack a wound with more lead and not do any more damage. So, yeah. Although I'm willing to try if somebody needs, needs <laughs> me to. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, and uh, you know it's been too long. Hopefully you uh, hopefully you come on again sometime soon. Anytime. Let me know. Well, I guess that brings us into the email then, and this first one comes to us from Dave, and he writes, "Hi guys." About three years ago, you talked about the Grand Power K100 Basic Mark 7 that Delask was selling and how it was a good gun for the price. Well, I bought one back then and I'm very happy that I did, except I can't find a holster for it to use uh, to use it in competition. Nothing serious, just running and gunning at my local range. I was wondering if you knew what holster would fit. I tried a bunch of plastic and Kydex ones at the local gun shop and they were all too narrow for the slide to fit. Someone at the range said that they thought a Blackhawk Springfield XD holster might fit. Phobus seems to make holsters for the Mark 12, but was told that the Mark 7 would not fit. Any uh, advice you can provide would be appreciated. I'm liking the new additions to the SFR family. I'd love to come out to, uh, to your course in Alberta, and I'm trying to convince the wife. Wish me luck, and keep up the good work. Well, good luck, Dave. I, I hope you and your wife can come out too. We got uh, three spots left, so if you guys sign up, we'd have one spot left. As for your holster, um, Adriel, you do you know anything? Nope. nope. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, you know anything? No, the Grand Power. Um, so there was uh, there was someone at the um, Ipsic class that was running a, a Grand Power that just showed up for the after class to kick our butts, right? Uh, right. Uh, established six shooter. And uh, I don't, I don't remember what holster he was running. Mm. You, you basically did not luck out, Dave. Uh, Trevor is our resident expert on what guns fit and what holsters, and he, he knew this email was here from you, but he basically told us he didn't want to answer it for you because he doesn't like you. Didn't care. Yeah, no, he, he just didn't. Care couldn't, could, couldn't be bothered. Is I believe is what. Yeah, he's like, nah. It's just Dave. 
Why don't you send me a message uh, Ryan at Highlander Tactical and see if you can uh, do a Kydex one for him. Oh, that could work. Yeah. 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 Either, the, or the, either that or solely Canadian or... Uh, we can we can order holster. I, have, I haven't done it myself. We can order holsters from the States, can't we? I th- yeah, I, don't, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm not 100% car. sure on that, but I thought so. Just, just no, don't no, go no. the flip-flop route. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly got cut off there. Oh, you're back. But yeah, we got you. We got your first hot part of your laugh, then it just cut right off. So that was that was kind of funny, actually. <laughs> ah, the flip-flop holster is very tactical, though. Well, I mean, and it doubles as a shoe, right? Yeah. So yeah. lose your guns, like oh my gun fell out of my holster, as it will because it's a flip-flop. At least then you've got a shoe. So you know exactly. You can All right. Throw your shoe at them. Yeah. There you go. Kelly, why don't you bring us this next one from Sharp97? Do you think I'm going to... Do you think I'll cut out? I hope so. I don't know. It's a short one, so let's read it. From Sharp97, it says, Hey guys, hope all is well. Um, I was sitting one day in my car and thinking, whatever happened to the guy who had to get a replacement card for his pal? He said it was cheaper than his renewal. Um, But did they send him the same card or did they give him a a new expiration date? I don't, I don't know either. I'd never followed up on that. I don't know what ever came of that. So if you're listening, guy, who uh, who this happened to, because I think it was somebody who wrote in and told us about it, right? Yeah, he said yeah. that he was going to actually um, get them to send him a new one. Right. And hoping that they sent a new date on it. Well, if you're listening, because I can't remember who, who it was. I have a terrible memory, period. So I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, if this sounds like you, send us an email and let us know uh, the details on that. We'd, we'd love to hear the rest of that story. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess, Adriel, you get this last one. From Chris M. Hey, Slamfire. First off, I'm a longtime listener since the early CRR days. Wow. And want That's to cool. say thanks for the weekly dose of Canadian gun content and all the work each of you do to personally develop our sport. Over the last couple of years, I've seen a rising demand in my area for firearms training. There are a lot of new shooters out there who get their license, buy a gun, and then have no idea really what they're doing, particularly on the handgun front. I'm in a position where I would like to start running some basic classes to teach the fundamentals, similar to what Ferlacci, love this, it's almost like a celebrity couple like uh, Benifer or Brangelina or Tomcat, uh, (laughs) did in Alberta earlier this year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My one question to uh, Matt and Trevor is what they do for insurance to cover them as instructors. It's one thing to coach someone on a personal lever, but, uh, personal level. <laughs> no, lever. You had it right. Lever. Lever. Yeah. Lever action. Uh, yep. <laughs> but uh, as things become more formal, the lawyer in me starts cringing at the potential risk of liability. Thoughts or suggestions? Check out the CCFR. They have uh, they have insurance available for instructors, so that uh, that is the direction I will point you in, Chris. So that's really cool. I'm glad that uh, there are more people getting involved in helping other people become better shooters. I think that that's important, and I think that if you have the skills necessary and and the personality for teaching, I think it's important that we uh, we all continue to mentor and, and teach others uh, how to be safe and and how to effectively run their guns. So so good on you. That's great. Um, as for Benifer, Brangelina, or Tomcat, um, for Lachie, <laughs> yeah, no, that that was uh, that was that's from Mo actually. He's a, an Ipswich shooter, big Ipswich shooter in, in New Brunswick. And um, the first couple of years that Trevor and I shot Ipswich, we went to all the matches together. We still go to quite a few matches together, 
but uh, we went to we basically went to all of them. We we wouldn't miss a match. And uh, Mo, who also would never miss a match, uh, <laughs> thought it was funny that Matthew and Trevor always showed up. And so he he's the one that actually coined the phrase for Lachi. So we got to give give Mo a shout out for coming up with our name for us. So <laughs> thanks, Mo. I just wanted to mention that Beniford, Brangelina, and Tomcat, they've all separated. You know that. That's right. And Ferlacci will never separate. <laughs> oh, never, eh? Ferlacci, we're ride, ride and die. Is that the term? I don't even know what it is. We're closer ride than that. Ride and die, homies. Ride and die, homies. Yeah, we, lived, we, we ride together, we die together. Bad boys for life. Tre- Trevor yep. will get that. Yeah, Name, get names tattoos. inscribed on a, on a tree and tattoos on your butt cheeks. How did you know? <laughs> All right, so awkward. Um, if 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 you would like to email the show and see the picture of my name on Trevor's rear end, because he'll send you the picture. I'm I'm kidding, probably. Uh, you can email us at slamfireradio at gmail.com. And we have an iTunes review this week. So thank you to Stacy for checking that out and sending that in for us because Stacy is awesome. Uh, this was sent in by CGR Colin from Canada. So I guess that's cool. I mean, we wanted some more exotic locations, but Canada's cool too, I guess. Uh, he sends us five stars and he titled it awesome and the review goes as follows i really enjoy this podcast it is informative funny and the hosts work very well together except for trevor because he never shows up i will be recommending this to all of my friends i may or may not have tossed in an extra sentence there you guys judge which one it was you read horribly i don't even know why you do this sometimes (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) all (laughs) righty i'm just playing off the hosts working very well together yes it fell flat that did. Yeah, you, yeah, it did. Your jokes are terrible. I don't even know why you bother anymore. I think you read very well, Matthew. Good job. Uh, of course, you're funnier, Agents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's all turn on each other now. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, uh, CGR Colin, for sending in the review. We we love getting iTunes reviews, so it's uh, it's it's it made our week. Well, mine anyway. So, you know, anybody else who's out there wants to leave us a review on iTunes, you certainly may. Um, we have 145-star reviews so far, and uh, we we like them whenever they come from sort of exotic countries. Uh, so if you're listening in Canada or the U.S., we still want your iTunes review. We still like them. But say you live in Tahiti or, uh, I don't know, what's another cool country? Cuba. Say you're listening in Cuba. Or North Korea. If you're listening in North Korea, wow, you have that's cool. Anyway, yeah, send us a review. <laughs> I don't know if there's an if there's a North Korean option in iTunes. I don't think there probably is. So if we get one from North Korea, we will just assume that CSIS is on to us. Still. <laughs> and for our American listeners, CSIS is our CIA in Canada. So there you they go. They say sorry more. They still watch they, you. Yeah, they, 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 they apologize for watching you is what they do. Sorry, but we're tapping your line. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. All right, let's, let's, let's go on to shout-outs. Uh, um, who's got the shout-outs? Oh, I got one on here. Oh, uh, Tony go. Dubay for putting on the uh, Black Badge course. <laughs> he, had to, he had to drive six hours from Peace River to... Uh, 
<laughs> to Bonnyville. So, like, this isn't like a uh, let's make a bunch of money and and teach some guys some pistols. Like, you got to be you got to be pretty committed to this kind of thing to have to drive six hours and, and put on these training courses. And he put uh, a ton of time with us uh, on the range. Like, it wasn't like a uh, eight to four and then we're off and and everyone's out. Or even you know some courses you know so some of the instructors will leave early. Uh, we're on that range for uh, for a lot of hours. I definitely got my uh, my money's worth. So I just want to say thank you. Awesome, Kelly. And I just have a shout out going out to Dave Hartman from the Three Gun Show. He was on recently and he was chatting us up. I was listening to his latest episode and uh, it was pretty awesome, pretty funny too. So it was great information. I just want to say hey, hey, hey. <laughs> cool. I'd like to shout out all the listeners in North Korea. That's who I'd like to shout out. So, Anyang Haseo. Ah, huh? I, do I have to edit that? Do I have to bleep it? I don't know. If I don't understand it, I'm bleeping it. <laughs> All right. It's just uh, high. Okay. I'll let that go then. Um, so, some, some new Patreon supporters. We have yep. uh, Byron A, who uh, is supporting us for 338. So, that's cool. 338 Lapua. Is it Lapua or Lapua? Whatever's funnier. All right. I've always called it Lapua, but the guys at the range here say Lapua. And nah. they are French, so They're I'm French. guessing that's probably wrong. But mm. uh, yeah. Lapua is what I've always called it. Anyway, and then uh, to James B. He, he sponsored us for a 20-millimeter cannon. So that's awesome. Like, super awesome. So yeah. thank Big you to caliber. James. Big caliber. Yep. All right. Um... We we do have um, some Patreon special content coming up soon, actually. So, uh, Patreon supporters, stay tuned. Uh, it's in the works, and uh, you will have to wait not much longer. So, uh, that's that's new and exciting. Uh, so, please join one of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR or the CSSA. It's important to support those who support us. Please check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. It's an online gun forum where you can chat with us and listen to the show and other things, too. I guess there's other parts of the show or of the of the forum, I guess. They're not nearly as interesting as our section, but there, there's other sections there, too. <laughs> uh, please like us on <laughs> Please like us on Facebook. Uh, we're at 1,535 likes so far, and in addition, we have 110 thumbs up, 20 gold stars, two flukes, four manatee flippers, two kangaroo thumbs, one safe space, an HK logo, two hobbit thumbs, five duck bills, and two squirrel nuts. So, yeah, we've got a lot of cool things. Yeah. There's a partridge in a pear tree somewhere there. Not yet. No, we haven't had a partridge in a pear tree sent in yet. Oh, don't ask for it. So, no, because we don't want to finish off. Maybe for the Christmas special, we'll include uh, the partridge yeah. in a pear tree, but that's it. For now, right. uh, pump, pumpkin spice latte? If you want. Mm. If, 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 you, if, if you have a man bun, then I suppose. Adriel, do you have a man bun? No. He doesn't have any hair. <laughs> I that's the joke. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess that's it for this week. You guys got any parting thoughts? Don't put the tourniquet on the neck. Don't put the tourniquet on the neck. I like it. How about you, Kelly? That could be a song, you know. Don't that put could. The <laughs> <laughs> yep. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.